Welcome to Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything cinematic on your sofa. Hello, Bex. I'm Van Connor, obviously. Hello, Bex. Oh, and I'm Bex Perfect. Hello, Van. <laughs> we I'll are... get my bearings eventually. It'll all come yeah. back to me eventually, is it? You know what, though? That's fine, because we've had a busy week, haven't we? It's it's Oscars week. Um, we it's it's been, been a long one, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been a long one. Um, it's, it was very much a long night. I don't know how you felt about the Oscars, but I was thoroughly underwhelmed. I'm up 150 quid. I'm glad I bet on them this year oh well yeah well i wish you'd give me a heads up to put a bet down i've seen loads of critics <laughs> oh, I, was good on the bets do you know what i did i went through i went through the odds checker and i found who had like the the widest odds for nomadland like a, like a couple of days before and i thought I'll, I'll just take this and wouldn't you know it and do you know do, do you know where i went went wrong on my bets though i went wrong on the father i did not see the father winning anything I had, I think, I had yeah. Nomadland for best uh, adapted screenplay, and I had Chadwick Boseman for best actor. And of course, the father came in and took both of those. Yeah, it was um, the only one that I missed out on was the Chadwick mm. Boseman one. That was the big risk that um, Steven Soderbergh did as well by putting best actor at the end, thinking it would be Chadwick Boseman a fitting end to the ceremony, and that <laughs> flopped. <laughs> he clearly did, didn't he? It's so obvious that Soderbergh thought that yeah, Chadwick Boseman's gonna be gonna be winning this. That's why we'll end it that way and it'll end presumably we'll get his widow out again she'll deliver another speech as moving and beautiful as the one she did at the start of awards season and that'll be the perfect end so we will begin and end awards season this year with an outpouring of love for chadwick boseman didn't quite happen and then anthony hopkins won and they wouldn't even let him do a speech via zoom apparently he asked he really <gasps> went to bat for them and they would not let him do it wow so we got a post a post awards pre uh, recording that he did we got, instead yeah that's what we got we got an instagram post instead of a zoom speech that's what happened but wow we are going off topic because i think we need to talk about our new best picture winner miss perfect well, yeah. so well, i think the, i'm gonna turn that one over to you well it's not just your best picture winner it's the big winner of the oscars <laughs> yes. three awards so best picture best director for chloe Zhao, and also best actress for the formidable Frances mcdormand mm -hmm. and she plays a widow in nomadland who uh following the economic collapse of a town in Nevada decides to pack up her van, live a nomadic lifestyle across the vast landscape of Western America, building unbreakable bonds with other nomads along the way. Okay, uh, what we've got is parts and labor, $2,300 okay. in tax. I just looked up the value on your van. With that high a mileage, you're looking about $5,000 at the most. I'd probably recommend um, taking that money and putting it towards a different vehicle. Yeah, no, well, I can't do that. I can't do that, see, cause, all right. Um, I, uh, uh, spent a lot of time and money building the inside out and, um, a lot of people don't understand the value of that, but, um, it's not something like you can... I live in there. It's my home. This is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Okay, this is... This That's is, an understatement, I think. Yeah, so this, this is a film lover's film, okay? It's a beautiful film. It's bleak, it's heartbreaking. It's um, 
not very fast <laughs> paced. It's um, almost documentary like in feel as well, but it doesn't, mm. doesn't have a big climactic ending or anything like that. It just takes you on this journey. And I really enjoyed it for that. It's it's a simple story. It's a bit like Minari, right? It's just a simple story done really, really well. And for that, I completely get why, mm. it, why it won all the awards. That's the thing. I mean, for me, the most exciting thing about the film, because I, I, I mean, it's not, as you say, it's not an exciting film. <laughs> and that clip being what it is like, you could have used that as the Oscar clip and it would have yeah. worked just as well as, as, as the one they actually before. used. <laughs> Well, that's it. But um, Chloe Zhao's films, this is her third one now after, is it Songs My Brothers Taught Me, The Rider, and now this. And her fourth one is completed and awaiting release because poor Kumail Nanjiani is still on that diet in lockdown, having to maintain his physique because of it. And that's, of course, Marvel's Eternals, which is at the end of the year. I'm thrilled that film Twitter is going to have to fall over backwards to praise a Marvel movie. I really am, because there's no way in hell the second female winner of Best Director is ever not getting hyped on the back of that. Um, I think the film is exceptionally well directed. It follows Chloe Zhao's template as we found in three films now of here is a character within an insular, a world that has a ceiling, a world in which there are defined rules. It is a subculture, effectively, that's outside of the larger world. And you look at, for instance, her previous two films, which involved Native American and Indian reservations. This film involves nomadic culture, which is not a million miles removed when you think, again, a small insular culture that has its own rules, its own governing system, that has its own techniques, its own methods and ways of doing things. There is a very clear pattern there. You look at which Marvel movie she's done, and there's a very specific kind of project that appeals to Chloe mm. Zhao. And this is a textbook example of that. I would say you will respect the craft, you may not love the film. And to be fair, yeah. it's free on Disney Plus. So it's not like it's a huge outlay if you've already got Disney Plus. Exactly. And just one final tiny point on this is once again, Frances McDormand proves to us that she is everyone's mm -hmm. every woman. And that's what I think she does so brilliantly. And another Oscar well deserved. So we can guarantee that this is going to be two thumbs up for both of us for Nomadland, right? That's it. I'll give it two thumbs up just for the filmmaking rather than particularly the story. If you want to get into the story, though, there are problematic elements in there and they do largely have to do with Amazon, if we're being yeah. honest. But there are people writing think pieces right now a lot yeah. more eloquent than anything I think you or I could say on the subject. And credit to all of the non-actors who feature in yes. this so beautifully as well. That's apparently, that's a Chloe Zhao staple. So for the very first film, she cast Unknowns to play the residents of one of the reservations she was filming on. And I think she did the same uh, for, for the rider as well and again here where she has gotten non-professional actors and apparently ones from the first movie from Songs My Brother told me will be coming back in Marvel's Eternals so these unknowns are actually getting put into Marvel movies as a result of her work Wow, that's amazing. What a powerhouse Chloe Zhao is. Mm. Now, if you found that Nomadland was a little bit too slow for you, well, our next recommendation might speed things up a bit. So available on Amazon Prime is Without Remorse, a new Tom Clancy uh, movie. I, like, you, you were very excited to watch this. I, I was. I'm a huge Jack Ryan fan. It's a very naff franchise. It's a proper dad franchise. Oh, you. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? You know, it's effectively it's for it's for dads who think that James Bond is too fluffy. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly that. I mean, you talk about a film series made out of airport novels, out of airport bestsellers that are always in like the five for 15 in Waterstones or something like that. Uh, yeah. This is an adaptation of one of the spin-offs of one of those as well. So this is an adaptation of the 1993 spin-off novel, Without Remorse, which took the character who at that point had already been played by Willem Dafoe on screen and effectively spins him off into his own origin story. So Without Remorse is the origin story. There is then a follow-up years later that's called Rainbow Six, which apparently is going to be the next film in line. So Michael B. Jordan signed up for two of these, Without Remorse, and presumably a very, very heavily reworked version of Rainbow Six. He is John Kelly, who we will come to know as John Clark in the Jack Ryan movies. He's one of those characters like Admiral Greer, who's just always there. He's always a supporting character. This is the story of how his wife was killed in an assassination attempt on him. He survived and he goes out for revenge. But before he does that, he has to go to prison for murdering a witness along the way in what might be the film's coolest moment, if I'm being honest, break his way out and become a black ops asset for a government being led by Guy Pierce, so you know there's a certain amount of sleaze that has to be in there and he has a mission that might just line up with Mr. Kelly slash Clark's agenda Senior Chief Kelly, it appears you have a common enemy with the United States They took everything from me My family I got nothing left their plan is a series of strategic attacks all over the world. We have to respond. I need to be on that team. Lieutenant Commander Greer, you lead the mission. I'm even out the playing field. CIA doesn't support any further investigation into your wife's murder. Got to the war out the battlefield. They had no right to take so much from me. Play no games, This is a goal mission. By the sounds of this, it's a good Friday night flick. Am I right? To be honest, that's that's the best outcome for this one. It's uh, it is a case that the Tom Clancy series has never particularly caught on in the mainstream. They, they've made decent money, but they've never become blockbusters. However, the Tom Clancy universe is a blockbuster on the PlayStation, which is why this poster comes very specifically with from the author of Rainbow Six written on it, because they want you to know this is tied into that video game that you've played. You know, this we've got a cool young movie. We got the Black Panther bad guy in there. Uh, he's your lead. Now that we've had to sell it, it now has to tie in with the Jack Ryan series on Prime because, you know. What I wanted to say was don't get confused hmm. with Jack Reacher, right? Very different. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jack Ryan and Jack Reacher. Very different. But Jack, Jack Reacher is going to be a TV series now as well. Yeah, but Jack Reacher is hilarious. Right? So oh, I find that I mean, so funny. I found it really funny. According to my late aunt, who was a very big Jack Reacher fan, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom Cruise makes I think it makes it really funny, but uh, maybe that's just me. But um, yeah, I, I remember like I, my mm. my late father-in-law really loved the books for Jack Reacher, mm. and, and the comedy came out. So uh, you, it, it was yeah, it's one of those things. So don't get confused; they're very different things. No. So that's you're thinking of you know, if you're thinking of the Jack Ryan films, that's the one with Chris Pine. Yeah, the Jack Ryan films were in order: Alec Baldwin, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford again, Ben Affleck, Chris Pine, John Krasinski. Uh, sorry, John Krasinski does the series, not the movie. Movies. Yeah. Uh, the series.
series is where it goes over and becomes an Amazon property. However, Paramount still had the film rights and then sold this film to Amazon. So whether or not they're going to make Without Remorse, uh, make uh, Rainbow Six, I don't know. But I will tell you that there is a post-credit sequence and it does very, very specifically set that up as a sequel. Um, I will say it's about on par with Jack Ryan, the TV show. So if you like that already... great if you don't like that and you are just a fan of the video games you're not going to get anything out of this because believe me this is not the john wick style movie it could be even though it really really wants to be at times and it feels strangely subdued from uh not only gamora and uh what did they call the the sequel to sicario what was it called now Oh, Sequel to Solaris, to Sicario, not Solario, yeah. uh, not Solario or Solaris, <laughs> Solaro, um, yeah, Sicario yeah, too, Solaro, yeah, that would work. Um, I'm not sure, uh, off the top of my head. In Mexico, Solero means dessert. Anyway, there's your, there's your tagline for that. Soldado, that was it. That means does that mean assassin? I can't remember. I think it means soldier. Anyway, yeah. a bit subdued for him. Didn't find this as intense or as riveting as those movies. For one thing, it seems to lack close-ups. But I will say, very let down with a script, story and script, by Taylor Sheridan, who's the guy behind Sicario and Wind yeah. River and Sicario 2. Yeah, and Helen Highwater. Very let down there. Not his best work at all. Interesting. Disposable and fine, but nothing more. One and a half thumbs? Yeah, do you know what? I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of the series. And taking this as a spin-off to that, one and a half thumbs from me, that's fine. You'll enjoy it if you're having your beer and your pizza on a Friday night. Stick this on Prime. It's perfectly fine. Welcome back to Off Screen. We're keeping you on the couch with Movies on TV segment. So we're kicking off with one of mine and Van's favourite movies old school (laughs) movies a classic that you're going to absolutely love it is of course adam's family values and this is obviously uh coming to your your tv screens um this week uh on on saturday uh 155 is it on five star um, one fifty-five on Farsa. Yes, Saturday afternoon film yeah. for a change. I mean, when, I, yeah. I mean, usually, I, I only time I see Adam's Family movies is Sunday afternoon on ITV too. I think it's great but, though. Uh, but you five know, star fun. Saturday afternoon, different. Brilliant. Okay, and the family basically, <laughs> the fa- the Adams family, try to save Uncle Fester from his gold digging wife Debbie, who also happens to be a serial killer whose speciality is killing rich men to gain their inheritance. And you know what? Morticia is having none of it. You have placed Fester under some strange sexual spell. I respect that. But please, may we see him? Don't even think about it. You have gone too far. You have married Fester. You have destroyed his spirit. You have taken him from us. All that I could forgive. But Debbie... What? Pastels? Get out of my house! Hit the road! And if you ever show your faces around here again, I'll have you locked up for trying to visit. Probably my favourite quote from <laughs> the movie. But Debbie, pastels. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> We've talked about Adam's Family Values before, and, you know, yeah. it's one of the sharpest movies and comedies of the 90s, and this is the big thing. It's a sequel that's better than the original, isn't it, as well? Yes. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Because it's not only got it's not only got that side of things, but you've got the summer camp element to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
where Wednesday just wants to burn everything down. I mean, the performances are amazing. Raul Julia, um, Angelica Houston, Christina Ritchie is in there. Um, Christopher Lloyd as well. Obviously, Joan Cusack is amazing in that. It's a film I can watch again and again and again, and I don't get bored of. You really can, and the sequel, of course, has. You say Joan Cusack's the the, the new antagonist for the for the sequel. Yeah. Uh, you do also get. Oh, I can I think it's Peter McNichol and Christine Baranski as the two yes. uh, who run the camp. And oh god, like it's the quintessential. Like if you just gave me the script for, the, for that movie, if I'd never seen you gave me the script, went right. Who plays the camp counselor? My first response reading that script would be you get Christine Baranski because there's <laughs> no one else alive who could be as perfect for that role. Um, I love Adam Sandler's I love both of these movies. I think they are no perfect reworkings and adaptations of the classic Adam Sandler mold. Uh, Morticia and, and Gomez are just, you know, complete hashtag couple goals. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, have you ever seen, have you seen that meme where someone claims that they put a page of the script, the original script, and there's a note in there saying, it has to be really obvious that you know that these two, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at all times and you're like, yeah that, that, that's very obvious on screen at all times we can see it the performance that the chemistry between Raul Julia and Angelica Houston when especially when you consider like she's acting royalty she's Hollywood royalty yeah, yeah. you know and he's you know and he's a dying man at that stage like you know yeah. for 1993 he's a dying man and he still brings so much energy and spark to it and she's so fun and playful with it and indulgent and they are just I'd say hashtag couple goals. Love them both. It really is. Um, it really is. And, yeah, and of course, like you say, but. This is hashtag film goals, I think, as well. <laughs> sequel goals. Sequel goals as well. Sequel goals. Yeah, absolutely. So look, Adam Family Values, five star, 1.55 p.m. I don't think the weather's looking that great this weekend. So, you know what? If you're bank holiday, you've got no plans, don't worry about it. This is going to keep you sorted on the couch to watch this. Is it a bank holiday again? It is. I had no idea. Okay, that's that's new. Okay, well, on to uh, Sunday then. Uh, since you don't have to be up early on, on Monday morning because bank holiday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you up all night with some chills, thrills, and some whoops and some cheers. I'm going to give you Neil Marshall's first biggie. It is, of course, 2002 seminal Dog Soldiers. Have you seen Dog Soldiers, Bex? So tell me who's in Dog Soldiers. So Dog Soldiers, it's two, it's three biggest stars by today's standards would be Kevin McKidd, who, you know, now mostly known for Grey's Anatomy, uh, Liam Cunningham, now mostly known for Game of Thrones, and Sean Pertwee, now basically just mostly known for being Sean Pertwee slash awesome. And Blue Juice. You know I love Blue Juice. And Blue Juice. Well, yeah, yeah of course. Um, but also for having that voice, you know, that very just, see what you can do. O2. You know, he has that voice, doesn't he? Yes, he does. But no, I haven't seen this. <laughs> right, so this is this was pitched in cinemas back in late 2001, no joke, with a mock advert. Do you remember the old SAS Be the Best adverts where it always looked like they'd been shot on like a camcorder yeah. and they were running through the mud and especially they Neil Marshall faked that. Okay? Right. And then dropped some werewolves into it. Put it in cinemas and said, Dog Soldiers coming soon. So, of course, you went and saw the movie, which was literally what happens if an SA, if not an SAS, but the next rung down platoon are on maneuvers in the Scottish Highlands and they happen to be set upon by werewolves. 
That's literally the plot of the movie. They are led by Sean Pertwee. Kevin McKinney's the second in command. There's a colourful band of predator-style grunts. Each one's got a distinctive personality trait. You know, there's the womanizer. There's the drinker. There's the smart one, the philosopher. The spoon, who's the comic relief. Hence the brilliant line, there is no spoon. And because Matrix was really big at the time. And of course, throughout all of this, it's all about how these guys keep it together. And for Sean Pertwee's character, that all comes down to his belief in the idea there are things in the world he can't control. As he learned when he was stationed in Iraq and watched his friend get blown up with a very specific tattoo of the devil. The thing that really freaked us out that day was when left-hand Charlie found a bit of Eddie with a tattoo on. I mean, everything else was burnt to a crisp, covered in claret, all mushed up, pulped up. Not this bit. This bit was perfect. And there's old Nick chortling his off at us. So you could say that Eddie was right. That Satan did indeed save his skin, just not all of him. Or you could say that Eddie was just unlucky. Either way, it taught me to keep a very open mind. Boom, boom. I think it was the werewolf thing that kind of made me go, yeah, I'm not watching this. So, that's really, honestly, really, really good. It's more of an action film than it is a horror film, but Neil Marshall has always straddled that John Carpenter-esque line between the two. And you, you watch this, if you watch the film even now, even today, even 20 years later, you watch it, you will very quickly see why I saw this film. It was like, I mean, I mean, I'll watch everything this guy ever does. Like, that movie was great. This is the ultimate grindhouse, midnight driving experience kind of thing absolutely unmissable stuff on uh, on film four you got to see this so uh sticking with film four for monday that is um 11 20 sunday night sticking with film four for monday same time slot as well 11 20 on, on monday night do you want to talk about blockers then miss perfect yes i mean this is a great movie so this is about three parents who become really good friends after seeing the friendship of their children the kids kind of grow up and get to kind of prom age and their parents wonder, on the night of prom basically try to stop their daughters from losing their virginity and it turns into absolute chaos. Julie left her laptop open. You guys are snooping on our kids? No. We don't understand what they're saying, so it's not snooping. Oh, oh I love puzzles. Just saw Inferno. Yeah, great, what do they say? Okay, so there's something about an eggplant ha- handshake. Eggplant agreement. Yeah, they got an agreement to make eggplant parmesan. No, eggplants are teenage emoji language what you know what that's true julie told me that that the emojis have uh, they all have secret meanings mm-hmm. so like trees are weed and snowflakes are cocaine and that thing is yas queen yas queen what the hell is that you've never heard of yas queen no huh. all right grandpa this is sex if i've ever seen it illustrated in emoji oh no, no 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 maybe not they're best friends they're just saying like you're okay with me you're okay to me i remember back in the day when we could go film screenings that this was (laughs) this was one of those movies that I think you and I will have been we would have gone to like The View or The Odeon or something in Leicester Square and we would have been handed pizza and beer and things like that and we would have gone oh we're going to watch like an average three star forgettable movie and then we went in and watched this and I was howling throughout this this is kind of like it's a really funny movie isn't it yeah really funny and it's kind of like the parents want to be cool, you know, because they're mm. not like really old parents or anything like that. They don't feel like the parents that were in 
American Pie. Like we're in a different generation now where the parents are like much, much younger in look and feel. Um, sort of like Tina Fey. Are you, are you tiptoeing around the fact that we're close to parent age now, Vax? Is that what you're doing right now? Because I'm making my peace with this slowly. Yeah, that's probably why we found it so funny is that we can really mm. relate to this in a weird way. But it has just got so many clever comedic moments in it and it really works. It's, the strength for me is in the writing. I mean, the performances are great, uh, particularly all three parents, uh, John Cena, Leslie Mann, Ike Barinholtz in particular. I, mean, I, I found something with kinship in Ike Barinholtz's character. Particularly love the sequence with Gary Cole and Gina Gershon because that's how you would spend an evening with Gina Gershon. Anyway, um, but I really like the writing. The writing is the strongest point. And the writing is very insightful all the way up to, and including this actually really wonderfully drawn LGBT love story. The, uh, the sort of forms the sort of heart of it which seems to be the closest thing to a genuinely romantic story yeah in this this sort of teen teen based semi rom-com it's a good time it's got loads of like gross out laughs there's loads of dnf jokes as kevin smith would have called it back in the day i, I think it's unmissable stuff i think you will have a, a darn good time if you catch it yeah i really enjoyed having gone to this at the screener at the screening and then when it came out and was available for you to like mm. rent is actually saying to my husband, let's sit down and watch this so I can watch it again. And he could and watch his reaction seeing it for the first time. It worked really, really well. So definitely go and have a look. It's on film for far too late, 11.20. And I think if you can press record on this, do it and keep it in your keep it in your kind of portfolio of things to watch, your little deep, your little library of good films, because this is one you'll want to revisit again and again and again. Stick around, we'll be back shortly with the rest of your week on Freeview. And now this is a segment that we like to call Offscreen Pays the Bills. Hey, Van. Hey, Bex. What's going on? Oh, ain't nothing going on but the rent. <laughs> and I tell you what, this week, the rent is being very kindly looked after by our brilliant sponsor, Smile Brilliant. And I have to say, I don't know if you have this problem, but I certainly do. And actually, I've had it in the last couple of nights, in fact. Do you ever grind your teeth in your sleep? This is the thing, I apparently don't. My partner is a notorious tooth grinder, though. Yeah, I do it. And I, I, I've historically done it. And it, like I said, just come back recently. But I'm not alone because there are 40 million other people that do this as well. And it might be down to stress, anxiety, an abnormal bite, that chronic teeth grinding. You know, what that will do as well is that will lead to the worn enamel on your teeth. Um, it will lead to tooth mm. decay. And as it did for me last night, sleeplessness as well. But most importantly, it could lead to really expensive dental procedures. And nobody well, wants that. Because yeah, you, you can get conditions and things where you have to have your teeth like filed down. You pay a fortune and get veneers. and things. No one wants that. Stop grinding. No. Stop the grinding now. Let's let's. Fix the grinding. Absolutely. So what one of the things that um, the dentists do recommend really highly are custom fitted night guards. And they are great, mm. but they are super costly. You know, dentists can charge like two to three hundred bucks per night guard. And you know what? When you're using it so regularly, you can grind through these a lot throughout the year. So that will cost you even more money. But there is a solution because Smile Brilliant have created a custom fitted night guard that costs as little as 45 bucks per, per guard, which is just incredible. So, you know, not only do they have that, but they've also got their custom fitted teeth whitening trays. They've also got electric toothbrushes as well. And it's so great because we've partnered with them and you can head over to smilebrilliant.com. You can use the code offscreen at your checkout for another 30% off. 
Um, what so, nice. I know, right? So what's, you know, if you're having this problem, why wouldn't you do this? It's amazing. So again, that's smilebrilliant.com. Use the code offscreen at checkout, get 30% off, reduce that stress, reduce that teeth grinding and go get yourself a smile brilliant guard. Welcome back to Offscreen. We're keeping you on the couch with your second half of your week with movies on TV. Um, and this is an interesting one that we're bringing you now. This is um, Louis Theroux, My Scientology Movie, which is on Watch at 9pm on Tuesday. I remember going to see this at the London Film Festival way before mm. it kind of actually came out commercially. And I was so excited about this because I had just previously seen Going Clear... Going um, Clear was out around the same time, wasn't it? Yeah. So Going Clear had clearance to be played mm. once on Sky. So it was like a once at one time or you'll, or you'll never see it again opportunity to watch it. And I have to say, I very much, very quickly went into a comparison of the two Scientology documentaries. And I felt like you needed to watch Going Clear in order to get a better understanding of what Louis Theroux was, was talking about in this documentary. Absolutely the case, because whereas Going Clear is a movie about Scientology, my Scientology movie by Louis Theroux is a movie really about antagonising Scientology. Yeah. It's about the fact that you know he's trying to elicit a response from them, and in order to do that, what he does is he gets one of their they call them SPs, suppressive persons, yeah. uh, gets a you know someone who is defected from the church to help him with the staging of reenactments of incidents that are on record from the Church of Scientology in order to get them to surveil him and basically interact with his production. Scientology. Scientology. A religion created by a sci-fi writer run by a mysterious leader, David Miscavige. So this is my chance to experience Scientology firsthand. You need to leave. Dylan, Mr. Squirrel. You guys are trespassing. Got anything to say? It's okay, we have a permit. Why are you here? He's right behind us now. We have their attention. Why are they doing this? It's just not like any church that you could think of. Gradually, I realized you were never going to let me in. So here's my, my big thing. I did prefer going clear to this particular documentary. I feel like with Louis Theroux, what mm. he does is he... he gives you a really interesting insight and there's a little bit of a shock factor because of the, like you say the antagonistic nature of what he's doing however there is it is such a complicated religion and that backbone of understanding like the way it works is almost more shocking in itself and so that's where going clear is is a much stronger documentary to watch um ideally you'd be watching both but this is this, for me, I think is an enjoyable watch. It's one of, I think it's actually one of Louis' better documentaries. I think it's up there as a really, really strong strong one for him. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I didn't enjoy this as much as I've enjoyed some of Louis Theroux's projects over the years. I mean, to be honest, once you've uh, once you've done the Jimmy Savile one, you know, that's, that's a or high the, bar. Or the um, America's Most Hated Family one. Oh, what was the 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 there was one about the fa the town that got addicted to meth or something I saw a few yeah. years ago that was really compelling or oh, any of the your Fred Phelps uh, ones Fred Phelps the yeah, yeah the I psycho preacher guy yeah I mean look 
maybe maybe it's probably for everyone's going to have a different opinion as with so much that Louis Theroux has given us you know what what you really are I'm just really intrigued by Scientology I think it's fascinating and I think it's really interesting if he can crack the code which nobody can of getting in there but blimey does he give it a good go um and that for me I think really works and, and if anyone's going to take it on you kind of want Louis to do it don't you so <laughs> well that's the thing I I because I, I, I haven't seen I'm assuming there is an episode of the Louis Theroux show you know the series in which he did investigate Scientology to go on with I kind of wanted that from this like I because I, I hadn't seen that I, I kind of want I mean I, I imagine it must be out there it must exist because it seems odd to me that he would do this movie and not have done you know the basic here's me investigating Scientology bit which yeah. he must have done but uh, anyway so you can see it for yourself it's still an entertaining watch either yeah. way and there's still some very big laughs to be had uh, yeah. Louis Theroux my Scientology movie on the watch channel which never gets more it seems 9pm on Tuesday over to the horror channel for Wednesday night though and I think you may have seen this one this is uh, back from all the way back in 2007 a uh, big cult hit of the moment uh, 10.30pm stars Josh Hartnett remember him Melissa George aka one of the most beautiful women who ever lived and Ben Foster, as I think he's a vampire in this, uh, based on the popular graphic novel series, it is 30 Days of Night. Have you seen this one, Bex? Um, I haven't, but you've missed out Danny Houston from this. Oh, he's the bad guy. What am I doing? <laughs> yes, Angelica Houston's nephew is the bad guy in this. Somehow I did not include that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and you know what? My, my teenage self does remember Josh Hartnett with fond memories um, <laughs> what a heartthrob um, yeah I haven't seen this but do you know what I always see the poster and I always kind of go I, that's that's a movie why did I miss it in my like teen years I don't understand why I didn't watch this I'll be very quick because we haven't got a clip for this, but the general premise is this is a standard vampire movie. Again, following that sort of a John Carpenter uh, 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 assault on Precinct 13 kind of a model, which itself is admittedly you know based on like Rio Bravo, High Noon kind of thing. Um, this is the small town sheriff in Alaska shortly before the 30 days of night begin and his town is besieged by vampires. Can you imagine how that's going to work? For 30 days. His wife is played by, uh, his wife, I think she's also the deputy, is played by Melissa George. And the whole gimmick of this is the vampires are played as actual monsters, but they have their own specific ancient language as well that they use throughout. It's a very visceral, very hard watch at times. David Slade did a tremendous job directing this, went on to do, uh, I think it was Twilight Eclipse. I think mm -hmm. the third one, which actually, memory serves, was actually the best one of the bunch. Um, he also directed for, I think he was doing, he was going to direct Daredevil. I'm not sure if he did oh. or not. But uh, great movie, really good movie. There is a terrible direct-to-DVD sequel called 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, which I have seen. I uh, don't recommend. Don't recommend anyone does that. Not don't recommend the film. I just don't recommend seeing it. Full stop. Uh, yeah. But you can see the much better first one on uh, Horror Channel Wednesday night, ten thirty p.m. on Film Four, nine p.m. on Thursday. Though, Bex, shall we have a laugh? Well, I feel a bit dirty even talking about this movie, and I can't believe we picked it, but we have. Um, we're talking about Dirty Grandpa, uh, which um, yeah is on Film Four, nine p.m. on Thursday. Stars Robert De Niro and Zac Efron. In not the role, not not the role you'd expect Robert De Niro to ever want to be in. And there's an opening sequence in which I never really want to see Robert De Niro in 
that scenario ever again. But here we have it. <laughs> there's, there's a fair few like that in this film, isn't there? But this is the thing, isn't it? Because this is seeming like the one role where he woke up for a second and thought, okay, well, I'll do some raunchy comedy. You show I can do it. And they'll team you up with some young hunk. Oh, who's this Zach kid? He's popular. And now we have a movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. But basically, the premise is, right before his wedding, uh, Zac Efron plays um, the grandson of, of Robert De Niro. And he's pretty uptight, isn't he? He's very sort of, you know... He doesn't uh, really well, actually, it's not that Zephron is. It's that his fiance is. He's yeah. sort of henpecked by his fiance. And he's kind of a wimp. Yeah, mm. yeah, I suppose. And yet his grandfather is a lecherous former army lieutenant colonel. So <laughs> um, that's kind of a combination of how that plays out as they kind of go to Florida for spring break. Well, they do. They go on a road trip, wind up in spring break, and then who should they encounter? Well, only the love for Aubrey Plaza. You're in Daytona Beach? Uh, listen, we're just driving through Daytona Beach. We're en route to Jason, I don't know why you're there. But you'd better call me from your grandfather's house when you get there tonight, okay? Of course, baby. I love you so much. Marriage is hard. What the hot college girls text back? Grandpa, what are you texting him? Just texting him. What are you texting him? We'll meet him on. We'll meet you on the beach. Yeah. And I added the emoji with a wink and the tongue out. I think this has got quite an interesting cast to it. So you've got not only hmm. have you got Robert De Niro and you've got um, Zac Efron, you've got Aubrey Plaza, who we all know you're a big fan of. Um, of <laughs> but it's also got Julianne Huff in that as well. Jason Mantzoukas, who. I'm pretty sure I saw do improv comedy when I was out in LA, which is brilliant. Um, he's you probably really did. Stuff. You probably did. Uh, I'm a very big fan of the Zooks. And yes. uh, he's, he, he actually, he is a presenter on one of my very favourite podcasts, would you believe? There we go. And also Dermot, Mu- oh, I can never pronounce his surname. Dermot Mulroney, isn't it? Mulroney. Is it Mulroney? Yeah, Mulroney, yeah. It's either McDermott or Mulroney. There's only know, two Dylans, that's it. But yeah, and, and Zoe Dutch as well. So look, it's a great cast in this. I just couldn't get behind it. I just don't like it. No, I just it's crass. It's it's. I like De Niro being serious. I, I but actually, if he does comedy, it's kind of Meet the Fockers style comedy is what I do enjoy. But I can't I can't get behind this at all. I'm sorry. I, I liked it because it was crass and it was Robert De Niro not doing serious. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it. it's the most it's the most personality I've seen from Robert De Niro in a long, long time. Uh, I, I, I just I kind of got the vibe of the film. I kind of liked it. Maybe it's because I think maybe it's because of a very specific place at which I was in life at the point that I saw it. I remember Kermode was really oh, anti yeah. it because I, I had it out with Mark over this one, and I, was, I remember having the conversation in the empty screening room, so screening rooms, and be like, "This is really the worst film you've even seen this week." Uh, like, what the hell, man? Anyway. Um, I think it's all right. I think it's worth a chance. But Friday night, BBC One, 10.50pm, mother of all rom-coms, Bex, take it away. Yeah, I know. You picked this one, which I was really pleased to see, actually. You were like, finish the week. With the, with... Yeah, good. I'm good. It's, it's nice to see that from from, from a man uh, that enjoys a good, a good rom-com that all women love. <laughs> um, it's on BBC One, 10.50pm. Of course, it's the classic. It's when Harry met Sally. Um, and Harry and Sally, they've been friends for years. They know they're each other's friends. But does sex complicate things? Maybe. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. They do not. Do too. How do you know? Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. 
So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. What if they don't want to have sex with you? Doesn't matter, because the sex thing is already out there, so the friendship is ultimately doomed, and that is the end of the story. Well, I guess we're not going to be friends, then. Guess not. Well, Harry and Sally there. Do you know what? This is a movie built. This is this is a movie I can get behind because it's a movie in which uh, a man's sex appeal is determined entirely by how warm his jumper is. Because Billy Crystal <laughs> wears some insane jumpers in this movie. Like he is, he's the king of the comfortable jumper, isn't he? In this, he really is. It's like welcome to the eighties. There we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a movie that stands the test of time. Meg Ryan, the sweetheart there, Br- Billy Crystal at the top of his kind of fame as well you know i think this is probably this is pre him uh hosting all the oscars for all those years but he uh, i think it was i think yeah 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 but oh, i just love this and you know it's so iconic and many of us who have been lucky enough to visit new york will have sat in in sally's chair in in the uh in the salt beef uh, restaurant and uh you know recreated that very famous scene uh much to the staff's annoyance um, but you know when in rome just do it but yeah it's a great way to finish off your friday night isn't it man it really is i think the the, the sort of the big moment the sort of new year's eve monologue from towards the end of the film that billy crystal got excited is just that is one of the all-timers i love that i i think i have i have the script page of that in a frame somewhere oh, wow. i will uh, I have to dig that out of storage and put that back up somewhere but i do love uh when harry met sally it's just such yeah. a, a wonderful sharply written film great uh great role in there is carrie fisher as well turns up in this as well i think yeah yeah i think so yeah love carrie it love it and of course my lifelong love of meg ryan began with this film as a kid so mm. it began with this and inner space as a kid and it led me all the way to 1997. Uh, addicted to love with Matthew Broderick which is one of the most underrated rom-coms ever made and I will die on this hill Welcome back for one last ride off screen. Okay, let's take a a quick step down the virtual DVD and Blu-ray aisle before we get to the streaming goods for the week then, shall we, Miss Perfect? And one that's on DVD and Blu-ray this next week is one that I was quite a big fan of. I don't think you got to see this. Well, I think. I enjoyed Um, it. Wrong turn. You know, because it's a horror movie, I just assumed it was uh, a nasty one that you uh, had to look away from. So I would ah, that helps. That helps. <laughs> well, reboot of the now twenty-year-old uh, cult fave trash horror series, now revived with I think Matthew Modine really is the as the big name included. I think Emma Dumont is in there from uh, the FX series The Gifted, like sort of short-lived X-Men TV spin-off on there as well. But it had a fan base, and you know, it's teens go into the woods where they happen upon. Unusual folk seems to be the the short way of uh, describing this. It's, it's different. It's a different version of unusual folk in this one. In the original, they were sort of inbred redneck cannibals. Here, they're sort of I don't know isolationist. Isolationist confederates are they seditionists? Aren't yeah. they? They've seceded. Okay. It also, it's not just some woods, it's the Appalachian Trail. Oh, yes, the Appalachian Trail, sorry. Because it was near the Appalachian Trail originally. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they're now seditionists and it's generations later. And they're still inbred redneck cannibals. But, you know, they, they now have political beliefs as well. Anyway, so, uh, you know, woke kids come in, get off one by one. Fun to be had. I thought this was really good. I thought it was really better, better made than it had any right to be. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It kept me entertained. Mm. And I think 
the idea of it saying wrong turn, actually the twist in it to reveal these folk, I think actually kept, for someone who had no idea what to expect coming into it, actually really kept me engaged with the movie. So it, it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. Stick with it all the way through. It does surprise you as it keeps like going on. And I think that was really clever from the filmmakers in this. And well performed, hmm. well acted, um, looks great. Yeah, go and treat yourself to a DVD and Blu-ray. Feel a bit old school. Yeah, that final, that final reel, though. Our final reel's a doozy. Yeah. Anyway, over to streaming then. And one that... Uh, this is coming, This is our only one for Prime this week. All of our releases are on Friday the 7th. Okay, so Friday, April 7th. Uh, so the first one, this is on Prime. You've got Honest Thief yeah. with, with Liam Neeson. Now, I think we talked about this, I think, about two or three months ago now. Very forgettable Liam Neeson action. But then again... You know, Liam Neeson movies nowadays tend to be sort of forgettable action. There's like, he, he has a fan base that he's playing exclusively to at this point. Yeah. That's kind of what you're going to get with this. He is a thief who finds himself, you know, being hunted by corrupt cops when all he's trying to do is, you know, clear the slate, turn himself in for crimes he's committed, and turn in, you know, the money he's obtained along the way. But of course, you know, cops, including the likes of Jai Courtney, have their own own designs on his hoarded cash. Did you count it? The cash? Did you count it? What would have happened if I counted it? When you got to three million, you would have run out of money. Figured I might need a bargaining chip. Seems I was right. Three's a lot of money. Yeah, but nine sounds better, doesn't it? I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Like, meh. <laughs> like, could you just make the sound for that? Meh. Is that how it kind of is? It's a little bit meh. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, it, it, it's kind of... It's, it's fine. You never come away from this feeling like it's anything other than boilerplate. Liam Neeson does a 90 minutes. Like, like, which TV actors can we get in here? And this time, it's the likes of, like, Jai Courtney and Kate Walsh from you know, Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice. I guess a very, very forgettable. I had to really strain to remember the plot of it. Put it that okay. way. Like, when, when I was picking the streaming list, I was like, Honest Thief with Liam Neeson, which one was that? Hmm. Is it the one that was like Honest Thief or the one that was like Honest Thief Thief? Or is it yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, even the title, even the title just feels boilerplate like Liam yeah. Neeson. It's, it's you know, it's like Liam, you feel like, you know, Liam Neeson would star in a crime thriller called Dry Water. You know, it's like, let's just take two words and we'll make them the opposite of each other and then that's the, that's, that's the title. That's, that's how you title it. A Liam Neeson film, yeah. Our work here is done. Can I have my check now? That's, yeah. that's literally it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so on, on the same day on Prime, another one that wasn't great, but I think it, it deserves a little bit less flack than it got. Men in Black International with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Do you remember this one? Yeah, I did. I didn't love this. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I'm not going to claim I loved it. It was, I think this this just, it, it, it did what it needed to do to yeah. revive the franchise but the problem is, is that, you know, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, it was, they were so strong in the original ones and it's iconic mm. and that's it, isn't it? And it's really hard to beat, but with good efforts. I'd say it's A for effort on this one. I do feel like this is the this is of all the franchise sort of generational reboots that we've had in the last few years, this feels like the one that really needed its original cast members to at yeah. least cameo in. Like this needed something. 
and I mean, well, what it needed was a better script, obviously. But yeah. uh, <laughs> and and incidentally, also, this has got Liam Neeson in it. So that's two for two for Mr. Neeson this week. Oh, Let's yeah. move on then to um, another sequel on Netflix that same day: The Secret Life of Pets. Two. No Liam Neeson in this one, but I can raise you a Harrison Ford. Mm. Now I remember the first one actually ugh, was good. What I remember of these films is that they shoved everything really good in the trailers for these, mm. and therefore you didn't end up with anything kind of too surprising, unfortunately. So, so the sequel for this, I think I caught it, but I think I snoozed a little bit through it. The sequel, I I saw this with Calvin and Emily a few years ago, and I remember being a lot more impressed with the sequel than I was with the first movie, uh, because for one thing, the first movie is just a thinly thinly guised you know rehash of the first Toy Story movie. The second one, though, actually does have a little bit more going for it. it does have it has you know a lot more intricate subplotting and things like that. It works a lot better for me, and also the storytelling I just thought was a lot more efficient. It was like it was it was a lot better written. I thought the performance from Patton Oswalt worked better strangely than Louis C.K., mm. who at the time had been very hastily uh, recast because of, you know, obviously being one of the standout cases during the, the early days of the Me Too movement. But just a, a great sort of adventurous romp for the whole family. I thought it was a really good movie. I'm better than the first one by a wide margin. But also on the same day, and I owe you an explanation for this one, Miss Perfect. Yeah, you do. Monster. Monster, which I have, of course, put in the script here. No, not that one. Yes, you have, because I was like, ah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, not that one. No. <laughs> so so is this it? is this is a 2018 film from uh, Anthony Mandler. Stars John David Washington, Jer- uh, uh, Jennifer Ale, Jer- uh, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, what's his name? Tim 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 Clark. Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson. And Kelvin Harrison Jr. Is it Kelvin Harrison Jr.? Kelvin Harrison Jr. as well. And uh, this is coming to Netflix. And as far as I know, I don't remember this ever having a, uh, a UK release date. This is a, a about a 17-year-old film student who witnesses a murder and how it basically destroys his whole life. Like just being the witness in this murder. And from the cast, you can kind of tell the film you're going to get here. Like you know when you when you because like you know, John David Washington doesn't really yeah. do flimsy materials, so you know yeah. this is going to have some heft to it. Jennifer Ale, ooh, she mostly does drama. Oh, Jeffrey Wright's in this. Hmm, I wonder how political this might be. And yeah, so you can see why I'm excited yeah. about yeah. watching this one now. I'm excited about this one. So that's a, that again is on Friday, uh, as are all of them, um, and that one is on Netflix as well. So can I also point yeah. out one one yeah. that I, we've not got we've not gotten to talk about, but I have seen. I would like to hype up for a second. Is out sure. today. So it's out today, uh, Friday the thirtieth on Netflix. New movie produced by Lord and uh, Lord and Miller, who of course brought us uh, into the Spider Verse, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs One and Two. Uh, 21 and 22 Jump Street, uh, presumably all the good bits in Solo, a Star Wars story, and, you know, uh, community, things like that. No, not community. Last Man on Earth, sorry, it was Lord of Miller. It was the Russo Brothers did community. And this is a fact, this was originally being released under the title Connected, because I was following it under the title Connected. I was really looking forward to it. Stars the likes of Danny McBride, uh, Abby Jacobson, Maya Rudolph. Animated film, CG animated, combines different styles in the way that Spider-Verse did. And is about, it's effectively the plot of National Lampoon's Vacation, only they're going to drop the daughter at college and the robot apocalypse happens along the way. 
that's the movie. Very fun, very worth seeing. Very, very, very fun for the whole family. That does sound really fun. I do I do like it when they get animated movies right, where it's a lot of fun, it's got a good cast behind it, and it's just going to be something that everyone can really enjoy. So, yeah, sounds and great. I am just, and I am just going to say, on the note of that film, decrim- hashtag decriminalise tapioca. It'll all make sense next week. Oh, okie dokie. I look forward to it. Well, that wraps <laughs> us up for this week. Um, lots for you guys to uh, take as a pick for uh, your viewing pleasure. This week, we'll be back again next week. We will not be as... Uh, Tired from a busy week of the Oscars because everything calms down a little bit before we get back on the road for the big summer tentpole movies that are hopefully on the horizon not too far away but we'll keep you posted on everything that is your seven day movie guide uh, here on Offscreen but for now I've been Bex Perfect I've been Van Connor and we shall return <laughs>